Welcome to the Natural Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. You know, I've always been curious. I don't know why, I just know that I am. I'm a writer and a teacher and a storyteller, and my job is to be curious, to ask questions and to share the answers. This program explores my belief that why, that simple three-letter question, is the most powerful question that any human has ever asked. Every time we ask it, we challenge ignorance and the status quo. This, I believe. Curiosity leads to discovery. Discovery leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads to insight. And insight leads to understanding. Something that, let's face it, seems to be in short supply these days. So thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the program. As a podcast producer and host, it should come as no big surprise to you that I love sound. Capturing it, listening to it, making recordings sound as good as they possibly can. It's hugely frustrating at times because it can be hard, like trying to record during a windstorm. Or trying to capture a bird in flight. Or trying to get the perfect sound of waves on a shingle beach. or bacon frying or the powerful force of a waterfall. I've managed to capture all of those at one time or another, but that's not what you just heard. The wind sound was actually made by a contact microphone being dragged across the shoulder of my fleece. The bird in flight was actually two rubber gloves that I flapped in front of the microphone. The waves were tiny pebbles sliding back and forth inside a PVC pipe. The frying bacon was me crumpling up a plastic bag, and the waterfall was, wait for it, the sound of a toilet flushing. Welcome to the world of Foley sound. Whenever you watch a movie, a big part of the experience is the audio component. Not just the spoken dialogue, but all the sounds that suck you in and make the fantasy of the movie seem real. Star Wars is a great movie, and Star Trek is a great show, but without the sound of Darth Vader's breathing, which is a regulator on a scuba tank, or the sound of a lightsaber being turned on, the combination of a film projector's fan and static from an old television set, or the whine of a TIE fighter going by, that's a screaming elephant combined with a car driving by on wet pavement, or Chewbacca's roar, a lonely walrus, by the way, the shows would be far less impressive. I mean, come on, how would you feel if the only sound a lightsaber made when it was turned on was the click of the on switch? Oh, come on. Or if we didn't hear this before Vader actually appears on screen. The people who do this work are called Foley artists. They're named after the guy who's believed to have been the first Foley artist, and because his name was Jack Foley, who could argue with the title? He worked closely with Stanley Kubrick, and even though he was never credited in a single film for his work, he was the guy who started it all. So what is it that Foley artists actually do? Well, basically, they remove and replace. They yank out the sound that's recorded during the filming of a movie or a television show, and they replace it. Why? Because the sound recorded on set is usually pretty poor quality compared to the sound captured in the controlled environment of a studio. 
and by recording all the different sounds as separate tracks, the folks who do the final leveling and balancing of the soundtrack can adjust each element individually to give it just the right level and punch. Also, Foley artists can create sounds that actually sound a lot more like the sound than the sound itself. Let me give you an example. If a character in a movie is walking on a gravel path and a field recordist walks along beside them with a microphone on a boom and captures the sound outside of camera range, guess what? It doesn't sound like someone walking on gravel. Instead, the Foley artist puts on a pair of shoes that are just like the actor's shoes and then walks on a path in the studio that's filled with Cheerios. Who knew? Needless to say, Foley studios can get a little bit messy. Another thing that Foley artists do is add what's called ambience. For example, when a character in a movie is getting angry, one of the ways you know that is that their breathing changes. So a Foley artist re-records the breathing to make it more dramatic. They don't just breathe into the microphone. They stick their head inside a bucket and breathe into the microphone. Try it. A Foley artist recreates everyday sounds in real time. They work on what are called Foley stages with viewing screens, recording equipment, and all the props they need to create the different sounds that have to appear in the movie. I say that have-to part very deliberately. It isn't just about adding in things like breaking glass and gunshots and car engines revving and footsteps. Foley's also the art of adding in all of the almost subliminal sounds that we'd miss if they weren't there. For example, when a character walks, yeah, we hear their footsteps on the snow or sand or grass or gravel or sidewalk or water, but pay attention. The Foley artist also adds in the very small sounds of their pant legs rubbing together or the rustle of their nylon jacket or raincoat or the sound of raindrops hitting their hat or umbrella or if they're walking fast, maybe they're breathing. Typically, two artists and a mixer work together on a Foley stage. The carefully produced and captured sounds that Foley artists generate typically replace almost all of the sounds that are captured during filming. And by the way, Foley artists don't replace dialogue, even though it's usually replaced. That's done by what's called an ADR process. ADR stands for Automatic Dialogue Replacement. The sounds Foley people replace are called, and here's a new word to add to your vocabulary, diegetic sound, which is sound that occurs within the world of the production. Diegetic sounds are sounds that the characters in the production would have actually heard, like maybe a pistol being fired or a car accelerating away. On the other hand, music and narration are called non-diegetic sound because the characters wouldn't hear them. So, Foley artists dwell in the world of diegetic sound. Anyway, a Foley studio looks a lot like Dumbledore's office, or maybe a hardware store next door to a grocery store after a big earthquake. I visited one not long ago, and I was amazed. It was a big place, like the size of a big grocery store. About a quarter of the real estate was taken up by what looked like long, narrow, raised beds where you might plant vegetables. These were walking tracks. One of them was filled with gravel, another with dirt, another with sand. One of them was filled with wads of old quarter-inch recording tape because it sounds exactly like grass or thick brush when you walk on it and it doesn't make a mess and it can be used over and over and over again. On the other side of the studio was the wet area. 
Buckets and barrels and wash tubs and bathtubs and stock tanks and kiddie pools all filled with water. But there were a few that were empty. Those would eventually be filled with dish soap or sometimes gelatin, which makes a squishy sound that sounds more like mud than mud does when you walk on it. Then in another corner, there were endless rows of tubs and shelves and drawers, all filled with things that make unique sounds. Piles and piles of every kind of shoe and boot you've ever heard of. Swatches of cloth, chunks and slabs and sheets of metal. Parts of cars piled up. Buckets filled with fishing reels, staplers, and scissors, all of which are needed to make the sounds of pistols and rifles being cocked and loaded and dry-fired. Countless glass and ceramic things ready to be sacrificed on a tile or cement floor. Then... Over in the other corner, there were chest freezers and refrigerators. Why? Because when Steven Seagal snaps some bad guy's arm over his shoulder, the only way to realistically create the sound of bones snapping is to snap celery. That's right. And it has to be fresh or it won't snap, hence the refrigerators. Somebody gets punched in the face, you stick a kitchen knife into the head of frozen lettuce on the table or frozen cabbage. So, Foley, as it turns out, is typically used for three different types of sounds. Footsteps, movement, and for creating sounds that are specific to whatever's going on in the scene. Now, the natural sound of footsteps recorded on set during the actual filming is usually too quiet to be used. So, the Foley artist has to exaggerate it to make it sound realistic. As we said earlier, they wear shoes that emulate the sound that the character's shoes would make, and then they walk on surfaces that create a sound that works with whatever they're walking on. Gravel is usually Cheerios. Dry grass, as we just said, is recording tape. Snow is typically a big bag that's filled with cornstarch, and sometimes they don't walk on it. They just squeeze it with their hands in concert with the person's walking. Mud, gelatin or liquid soap. They also have to be very careful to take into account the character's weight and speed and emotional state. I mean, if they're happy, they're going to walk differently than if they're sad or upset. They have to think about all these things. Now, the second category is movement. Movement includes all the sounds that happen in addition to the sound of footsteps. Cloth rubbing together, breathing, jangling keys, birds in a nearby tree, dogs barking, cars passing, and so on. Finally, the third Foley category is props, or what are sometimes called specifics. For example, an arrow or a thin stick that's drawn quickly through the air in front of the microphone makes a really good swishing sound that could be an arrow going by or the sound of a sword going by and not striking anything and so on. A metal grass rake, when bounced across concrete, sounds like a chain-link fence. Acorns and apples and walnuts on a wooden floor sound like bones breaking when they're stepped on. And if you have any walnuts left over, they sound better than ice cubes when they're dropped into a glass to make a cocktail. If you want to make the sound of an alien baby being born, scoop dog food out of a can with your hand. It can also be used to make the sound of a monster roaring if it's combined with other sounds like a blow dryer. And finally, if you don't have the sound of thunder in your library, you can shake a big piece of sheet metal to create that sound. 
In a previous episode that I recorded a few years ago, I interviewed a professional sound recordist who described what happened when he drew a violin bow across the spine of an Ocotillo cactus and then dropped it a couple of octaves and played it back. The result? The roar of the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. So what about the actual process of recording Foley sounds? Well, typically the Foley studio receives a copy of the movie chopped up into 10-minute chunks. The Foley artist and editor watch each chunk, and then they assemble the props they're going to need to make the sound for each one of them. Then they play the segment on a big monitor in the studio, and driven by visual cues that are superimposed on the footage, they create the sound that they think will work just as it happens on the screen. The editor then takes the sound, they might mix it with other sounds, they do some leveling and mixing and so on, and voila, out comes the perfect Foley track for each chunk of the film. How can you not love this stuff? If you found this episode interesting, you might want to go back and listen to episode 77, which is called How to Read Movie Credits with Bob Verlack. Bob and I were best friends in high school, and he went on to become a well-respected and successful actor. You may not recognize his name, but I guarantee you've seen him in movies and TV shows. Check him out on IMDb. His last name is Verlack, V-E-R-L-A-Q-U-E, first name Bob. If you ever wanted to know what a gaffer is, or a best boy, I mean, is there a worst boy, or a wrangler, or why there are now credits at the beginning and end of movies, have a listen. Bob's a great speaker, and his story is fascinating. Foley artists. Who knew that was a thing? Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.